This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. We're live. We're ready. Go. Control. We'll do it live. Ready. Switch on. We'll do it live from AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Hey, it's legendary professional baseball player Joe Carter. Hi, this is Mike Pinball Clemens. Hi, this is Wendell Clark. Hey, this is Trish Stratus. Hi, this is Curtis Granderson of your Toronto nope. Blue. Nope, you're your... a Milwaukee Brewer now. Really? Hey, this is Doug Gilmore, NHL Hall of Famer. Hi, it's future Hall of Famer Jeremy Roenick. Yo, what's going on? This is Drake. Hey, Lou Ferrigno, the real incredible Hall. Hey, this is Josh Donaldson of your Toronto Hold Blue. on, hold on. What? You're a Cleveland Indian now. Oh, really? <laughs> The Neutral Zone, an in-depth discussion on para-sports and professional sports with your host and Paralympian, Brock Richardson. Hey, welcome to it. Another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined this week by Dave Recavina and Cam Jenkins. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Very well, as always. And also a great time of the year because football playoffs are around the corner. And the CFL, the NFL season is just getting going. NCAA is... is who knows what's going to happen in the college football playoff? These are great days. Yes, and there was uh, some breaking news this morning in the CFL, which if you were listening to the Saturday Morning Gazette, you would have figured out why. But if you are tuning in now, we're going to discuss it later. In fact, uh, Dave walked in the uh, studio this morning and said, so we're going to change the lineup because based on the news, and we sure have, we will discuss the CFL later on today. Cam, how are you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, been a great, uh, well, only a couple of days in November, I guess, but uh, been a great month so far and just uh, looking forward to a bunch of sports talk today. There's lots to do, lots to talk about. In our control room is Jeff Ryman. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I had a uh, refreshing day off yesterday, but it's good to be back in the saddle and chatting sports with you boys. Yes, I. Uh, Jeff had a day off and usually I send the script uh, Friday and I and I messaged our manager of AMI Audio, and I was like, um, so if I send it Friday afternoon, does that give Jeff enough time to put the script on Saturday morning on my computer? Thankfully, it is in my computer, so <laughs> Jeff did have enough time. You're welcome. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a little bit of parasports, well, actually quite a bit of parasports stuff today. We're going to have uh, CEO, President and CEO of Easter Steel's uh, Ontario, Kevin Collins, come on in the next segment. If you got any questions for Kevin Collins... Tweet us at AMI Audio, at Neutral Zone BR, at Neutral Zone Cam J, and we will get your feedback on air as well. Uh, well, let's start with the Cruisers Cup. The Cruisers Cup is off and running at the um, um, 500 Ray Lawson uh, Boulevard, which is the which is the Cineplex in uh, Brampton, which I can't remember what it's called. South Fletcher's South Arena. South Fletcher's, yeah. There we Sports go. Plus. South Fletcher's. Um, how's the tournament going? You've been down yesterday um, watching the tournament. How's it going? Yeah, I went down there yesterday right after work and uh, saw a couple of the uh, Cruisers team uh, play. Uh, I'm always a cruiser at heart, so i got to watch the boys and uh, girls, uh, men and women play. Um, the first game I saw, I believe, and I might have, and I do apologize, the team name's incorrect, um, I believe it was the uh, Red Dog, no, sorry, the Silver Streaks that I saw first. And uh, they played, um, they were down 3-1, to one, and it was looking very uh, grim, to say the least. And wouldn't you know it, those uh, men and women, they came back and they ended up tying it and uh, ended up being a tie game 3-3. 
Um, you know, they put a lot of heart and soul into that, especially the third period uh, where they scored a couple of goals. And, uh, you know, they had the four check going and they had a couple of uh, really good goals. And uh, that was against uh, the, I'm sorry, against Markham, I believe, that they played uh, that game. And then the later game at 7.30, I stuck around and I watched, um, I believe it was the Red Dogs, and uh, they were winning the game uh, quite handily, and they were, um, uh, once again had the forecheck going very well. Uh, the defense was playing a really good game. Um, not a lot of shots on the goalie. Uh, our uh, friend of the show, Josh Watson, was in goal for that game. And, uh, you know, he had maybe a shot in the first period, maybe a couple shots in the second period, and... Um, because I used to play uh, sledge and used to play in goal, he was asked me to kind of, you know, give him some tips uh, as to how he was playing. He asked me to stick around, so um, I knew in the moment I wouldn't remember um, all the things I needed to say. So funny, I was on my phone and I was like texting him as things were happening in the game. Okay, I noticed this. Okay, I noticed that. So um, he probably was pretty. Uh, uh, not upset, but he probably got all these text messages after he got off the ice, and he's thinking, who the heck has sent me these, like, 30 different texts? But uh, I was able to do that. And on um, third period, um, the Cruisers, they were bending, but they didn't break, and that was against the London Blizzards. And that game ended up being 4-3, so it was a very uh, close game, especially in the third period. Uh, but like I said, they bent. Uh, they didn't break. Josh Watson had a last uh, good couple of minutes and, um, yeah, the whole team, uh, you know, they should be very proud of themselves. Uh, so, um, yeah, they won both games uh, last night. And, uh, yeah, the, the tournament seemed to be going very well. Spoke with quite a few uh, people there, um, cruisers and non-cruisers alike. And um, they absolutely love the uh, events, um, the tournaments. And it's their 10th year doing this, too. So Yeah, I saw a special one of the... Um... Uh, many pictures that were posted yesterday on social media. I saw they're using a special puck this year that is uh, has a 10th year anniversary with the Cruisers Cup on it. So that's really cool. I uh, can't believe that 10 years has gone by. It's pretty uh, pretty unbelievable when you think about that. Uh, any games uh, looking forward to today that uh, you might want to go see if you're in the area? Uh, well, I know um, if anyone wants to check it out, I know... Uh, the national women's, or they have the, um, uh, may not necessarily be the, all the national women's, but they do have uh, a women's team there like they did last year for the first time. And uh, they're called the Wickenheisers, I believe. So uh, if you want to yeah. go out to South Fletcher's today in Brampton and check that team out, I highly suggest you do that. And there's a team over from Russia as well. And um, I think they're in the junior division, if I remember correctly. And that's probably a team worth uh, checking out as well. And uh, the London Blizzards, they're always there at the end and have a really good uh, team as well. Um, there's team from the States. I believe they have a Pittsburgh team in. Um, they have a team from um, Edmonton. Um, and I believe the Edmonton team, I, I met them one year at the uh, London um, Sledge Hockey Tournament that they always have every year. I believe it's the third or fourth week in January. And saw a couple of uh, friends from there. Um, that I met in the hotel, and um, 
Um, probably there were adult beverages involved when I met that team, so that was a fun meeting. Them no, you guys are all again, athletes. So. You, you you shouldn't be drinking. Yeah, no, maybe it was just in my mind that that happened. So <laughs> it probably didn't happen in real life. So. Here, come, yeah. here comes here uh, comes Papa Dave making sure that, <laughs> making sure that we're all. Uh, <laughs> hey, Papa Dave hasn't had an adult beverage or two uh, every once in a while. I don't so. have a clue what you guys are talking about. But, yeah, they got some teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, sledge hockey team. They're there. Elmville Bears, they've always uh, been in the um, for the Ontario Sledge Hockey League. They've been there uh, quite a while. Windsor, uh, Buffalo, Hamilton, uh, teams from Montreal, Durham. Like, they come from all, obviously, all over Ontario, but um, the states as well. So, yeah, it's just a fantastic tournament. Um th- They've got, as Brock mentioned earlier, if you do the hashtag Cruisers Cup 2018, you could potentially um, win a um, gift certificate from uh, Tim Hortons or a gift card from Tim Hortons as well. Um, now, do we so, know the dollar value? Because this is what I've been missing. I've been seeing, seeing it all over Twitter and Facebook. Do we know the dollar value of said? Uh, absolutely not. Okay, we'll have to. If somebody <laughs> from the Cruisers is listening, because we're live on AMI Audio right now, if somebody from the Cruisers is listening, let one of us know. Because I, I, for one, want to know what the dollar value of that Tim Hortons card is. And I know uh, Dave's a pretty good Tim Hortons guy, so uh, he's got his cup right there. He's showing there it to go. me just to... Uh, prove it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the Ontario Blind Sports Gala, which uh, myself, Cam, and Brett are headed to tonight, um, which I'm really looking forward to. This time it's in uh, downtown Toronto, where we're going to see uh, some more inductees, eat some great food, and uh, have some really good conversation. I know uh, Ramia Muthan is coming down from uh, Kelly and Company, so looking forward for that, being a great night as well. Cam, sir? You looking forward for this evening? Yeah, last year it was a fantastic evening in gala, and definitely looking forward to the uh, Hall of Fame inductees um, with the members of the blind sport community tonight as well. Um, it's going to be at the Courtyard by Marriott downtown. The doors are opening at around five thirty, six o'clock, as I understand. And yeah, d- Brock, do you know any of the uh, nominees or anyone that's being inducted? I do not. At this point, I do not know this year uh, who is being inducted. But when we come back uh, next week, we will let you know um, who it was that was inducted. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Kelly McDonald is also going to be the MC uh, for the event. So always looking forward for that. Jeff Ryman, do you have something special from uh, Matt Agnew in your control room? I have an email. Yes, I saw it yesterday. Did you want to save it, or did you want to... No, no, let's do it. we got time. Let's... All right, let me just dig it up quickly, and then uh, we uh, can uh, play exactly what he sent me. Uh, but uh, it, it seems like it could be uh, pretty fun. I'll cue this up for a little while before you uh, cue it up. Somebody asked me last week, didn't Dave make a bet? And I said, he sure did. And did. they said, uh, what was the contents of that bet? And I said, well, <laughs> I think we'll dig it up, and uh, we'll we'll play it on air, and... Someone also said to me, have you gone through with this bet? And I said, at this point, we have not, but uh, we will eventually go through it. I know Dave has mentioned in a couple of weeks, that uh, we a couple will. of times that we will do it. But when Jeff is ready, let's play yeah. that clip. So what, what, there, there's three clips. Which one did you want me to let's play? Let's do the, uh, I think it's called Hot and Spicy. That one's, All right, let's yeah. do it. Let me just get it ready here. Hopefully it plays for us. All right. Here we go.
You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll make a prediction here. Uh-oh. You know what? I think the five playoff teams in the American League, the Yankees, Red Sox, Indians, uh, Astros, and uh, Mariners, they're so far in front of everyone right now that if anybody, anyone else, catches one of those five teams, I will take you guys out for dinner and drinks after oh. the baseball season. Yes. So, <laughs> as you get, that was done by uh, Matt Agnew, who helps us out um, with some of our post production. And he was really quick to send me something because he was actually checking the uh, the show that week. And uh, one of the the, um, the clips that he sent, it even cams in there, and he says, "I think Matt was pretty quick on the." Uh, trigger there to know what time it was and darn right he uh, <laughs> knew what time it was and can't wait to uh, indulge in another meal and we will have to bring Matt because fair it's fair Matt was taking the yep, show so right. uh, he will have to indulge in another meal we promise you that we will be uh, having another meal and I will let you know the date uh, as to when that's going to be when we decide uh, on that note, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and speak with CEO of e- President and CEO of Easter Seals Ontario, Kevin Collins. Right after the break here on The Neutral Zone, on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI Audio and Voices for Ability. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Dave Rakavina and Cam Jenkins. Uh, well, we have had this uh, guest on our show uh, uh, once at least, if not more than once. So we can call him a friend of the show, can't we, guys? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I'd like to welcome back a CEO, President and CEO of Easter Seals Ontario, Kevin Collins. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Last time we had John, you were in studio when we were uh, doing our nighttime recordings. Uh, because we've moved to a different day and different time slot, can you give the new listener a little bit of education on who Kevin Collins is? Well, um, fortunate enough, as, as he indicated, to be the uh, president and CEO of Easter Seals, uh, Ontario. Um, Easter Seals has been a big part of my life since uh, since I was a young young fellow, and and. Uh, being born with cerebral palsy, uh, it's, uh, Easter Seals has been a big part of my life, and then so, you know, having this incredible opportunity to uh, to be their president and CEO is, uh, I would say, more than a dream come true, and and uh, uh, just so incredible. Thank thankful for the all the supporters that uh, supported this organization for uh, we're well we're going into our our ninety sixth ninety seventh year, which is absolutely incredible. Hey, Kevin, it's Cam here. Just uh, can you give us a little bit of an idea of how the Celebrity Hockey Classic Series came to be? So basically, uh, you know, a group of individuals got together and, and uh, decided that they wanted to put on, um, you know, a, a bit of a hockey tournament, but obviously a fundraising uh, element to it. And, uh, you know, uh, basically put together a group of teams. Um, we've connected uh, through our uh, relationships with Jackson Events and, and the NHL alumni. So what happens is these teams get together, they raise pledges, they raise funds for Easter sales, 
the top fundraiser then gets the choice to uh, gets an opportunity to choose during a draft party uh, a player of their their favorite. And so, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough to have people like Eric Lindros, Rick Vai, Wendell Clark, Brad May. The list goes on and on of all the different alumni that participate in this event, and and it's exciting. I mean, the, um, some of these events now have been running six and seven years and have raised a significant amount of money. We're excited. The month of November coming up, uh, we've had three of our hockey classics already, one in Thunder Bay, one in Great Bruce area, and, and uh, one this past week and in Vaughn uh, representing the York Simcoe Group. But we've got three coming up. Um, the Eric Lindros event will be happening November 8th and 9th uh, at the Iroquois Park Sports Complex in Whippy. Rick Vives tournament will be happening uh, in Kitchener at Rim Park on November 22nd and 23rd. And then Brad May's tournament will be happening in Oakville at 16 Mile Sports Complex. And so, again, um, six incredible events, three three remaining, and we're excited to have them coming up. Kevin, uh, a couple of things here. First of all, we just received a tweet from a listener, Casey McKay, and I'll read the tweet on air. I just want to tell Kevin Collins that he's the biggest inspiration to me and many other Easter Seals kids. Thank you for everything you do, Kevin, to help kids and youth like myself succeed. So proud to call you my friend and so proud of all you've accomplished. So quite a tribute there from a listener, Kevin. Well, it's it's incredible. Dave. I've been very fortunate. You know, Casey is a, an incredible ambassador for our organization as well as a number of our, our kids. And, I mean, Cam, uh, your colleague there, works with us at our office and does an incredible job. And, you know, we're, we're just so blessed and fortunate to have uh, some incredible kids and you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to be an ambassador myself back in uh, the early days, back in 1976. And so being part of Easter Seals has been a big part of my life. And, and so, uh, you know, giving uh, the the whole idea behind the organization is we're, we're, we're looking to give, um, you know, young kids with uh, disabilities the, the ability to, to be kids and to do whatever they want to do. And so, uh, you know, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have a great amount of support over the years. And so uh, if I can return the favor and do the same for some uh, upcoming kids, uh, then you know what, it's been an amazing day. Does it make it easier when you've been so involved in Easter Seals uh, as a, growing up and as a kid and now you're the president and CEO, does it make it easier making decisions uh, full well knowing what those kids go through, given that you yourself went through it. Well, I, I don't know if it makes it any easier, but I tell you what, it, it, it you know it, it puts it right to I, I truly get it, and, and you know uh, know exactly the importance of, of you know events like these hockey classics, and you know we'll get a chance to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs skate coming up on November 18th. But you know, without these events, um, Easter Seals cannot do what we do. Um, we're an organization that. We get absolutely zero dollars from from the government. All of the funding that we generate comes from the general public and the corporations that support us. So it's grassroots. It's it's individuals out there driving it, making it happen. And and we're so fortunate, to, as I said, to, in in our 96 years of existence, um, we we've been fortunate to have so many incredible supporters and continue to have incredible supporters that believe in our cause, believe in the in our ambassadors like Casey and and. Uh, you know, really get behind them and support them. Yeah, Kevin, um, for the uh, Toronto Maple Leaf uh, skate that's coming up, did you want to maybe talk a little bit about that and uh, how people can get involved? Absolutely. Um, we've we've had an incredible relationship with the Toronto Maple Leafs organization for the past 41 years, and, and this will be the 41st annual 
skate with the Leafs uh, coming up on, on Sunday, November 18th. We held at the MasterCard Center down in Etobicoke. And what we look for is uh, people get a chance to come out and, and uh, spend an hour or so with the Leafs skating. Um, what we ask the individuals to do is, is raise a minimum of $250 in pledges to come out um, and, and be part of this incredible day. Um, for those that raise $300 or more, there's some incredible incentive prizes that that, that we have uh, in conjunction with the Maple Leafs. So lots of great things. There's lunch being served and opportunity to, to meet and skate with your favorite Leaf. And I think, you know, everybody can say with, with the incredible talent that the Leafs have in today's day is the people really want to come out and support and, and, and get a chance to meet these incredible young athletes that the, the Maple Leafs are, are having on their team this day. Now, this event in, in existence, it's raised over $6.9 million for us in the past 40 years. So it's, it's an incredible, incredible event for our efforts. Now, do, does the whole team come out and uh, partake in the skate, or is it just a select few um, no. players? Yeah, no, it's it's one of those events that the the Maple Leafs have on their calendar, and and uh, it's uh, it's a mandatory event for all all players to participate. Um, obviously, those that are that may be injured at the time obviously would get a pass, but but uh, for the most part, every every player uh, participates in the day. Wow, that's pretty impressive. How, uh, Kevin, how how do you are you able to download uh, pledge forms? Absolutely. The, all our information for any of our events, including the Toronto Maple Leafs Skate and all of our hockey classics, is available through our website at easterseals.org. And um, you'll be guided through our website to the individual sites that have all of these particular events. And all the, all the pertinent information, how to register, how to raise the pledges, how to download the forms, everything is right there on our site. Yeah, and Kevin, I... Uh... You know, it's uh, as you had said, uh, full disclosure, I do work for Easter Seals Ontario, and it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to be able to work there each and every day, and especially for a person like yourself. We're all a team at the end of the day, but uh, just to see you go out and do what you do and are so positive and uh, have such uh, yearning uh, to do this, it's uh, it's great, and just thank you for all that you do and for all um, the team does at Easter Seals Ontario to raise as much funds as possible. Well, I appreciate that, Cam. And as you know, you know what? We're, we're very fortunate. I mean, uh, our situations, we're able to, to get around and do the things that we do. So, you know, by the extra efforts that, that we do collectively, um, what we're trying to do is help those that, that may need a little bit of extra help. And, and uh, you know, we know we're all out there, and, and uh, um, it's a pure team effort. You can't do this on your own. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, having a little bit of enthusiasm and, and – uh, uh, for me, basically, appreciation of the support that I've received over the years and being able to return that uh, in some small way um, really helps drive uh, drive with me every day, and you know, and, and that motivates me to do what I do. I think the uh, biggest thing that people know Easter Steals they do and we have are the camps. Can you kind of talk about some of the other things that Easter Steals is involved in beyond the camps? Because I think. Easter Seals does a lot more than just that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, uh, and the camping, is, uh, as you've described there, is, is, is a, a great program. We're fortunate to have two camps, one just outside of London, one outside of Perth, that uh, you know, we, we have fully accessible, um, no barriers, no curves. But outside of camping, the, the big thing that Easter Seals does is provide 
financial assistance to kids and their families so they can get the equipment that they require, whether it be a wheelchair, whether it be a walker, whether it be a ramp, so that they can get from point A to point B. And those are the key components that, you know, uh, camping is easy for us to market. It's tangible. People can see it. People know kids like to go to camp. But what they fail to sometimes realize is how do we get these young people to these camps? They need this special equipment to be able to do that. And not only go to camp, but more importantly, be able to get around in their own home, to be able to go to school, to be able to go to a mall. Um, those are all things that we sometimes take for granted and don't realize the, the incredible importance of, of being able to provide those pieces of equipment to make sure that these kids get looked after. And, you know, we've got a number of the programs. We have scholarship programs that we offer our kids for post-secondary education. Um, we've got some incredible uh, reps who look after um, our needs within the various school boards across the province, making sure that, you know, that the schools are set up to the best of their ability for accessible issues and so that our kids can go to school. And so, you know, it, it goes beyond just camping, as you've described. There's a number of great things that Easter Seals has done and will continue to do for these kids and their families. And if you are outside of the Ontario uh, realm, Easter Seals is all over the country. Just um, Google Easter Seals in whichever uh, province you are in, and you will be able to find similar resources that can be provided. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. We greatly appreciate it, and we hope to have you on in the future. I look forward to it, gentlemen. Thank you so much, and keep up the great work. That was uh, President and CEO of Easter Seals Ontario, Kevin Collins, talking to us all things Easter Seals in the last segment. With that, we're going to take a break. I am going to bring up uh, Dave posting on social media, which doesn't happen very often, but when it does, man, does he go. We're going to talk NFL and probably a little CFL because there was some breaking news earlier today, as alluded to, right here on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Cam Jenkins and Dave Recavina. Again, we thank Kevin Collins so very much for giving us uh, the time of discussion. And before we get into talking NFL, I just want to bring up a point that uh, Dave made about Easter Seals and the Leafs. Dave, you made a little bit of a comment uh, well, as we were on break. Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, during the last segment there listening to Kevin, and then I thought there's a long association between Easter Seals and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I think it goes back to like the Con Smythe days. Uh, and I think it's, you're even going back to the late 50s, maybe 1960. But I remember seeing the various things uh, where Hugh McMillan uh, Rehab Center used to be there, I guess, Cam, you can fill me in a little better there. I think it was just east of Bayview and north of Eglinton. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I guess Bloorview's there now, if my memory serves me correctly. Correct. Yeah, they changed the yeah. name. And, yeah. But I, I remember years ago bringing my daughter down there for treatments, and then I remember just being like at the main entrance there in the foyer, and mm-hmm. you could see the association with the Leafs there. And then when I read Con Smythe's biography, he was very big on that as well. 
Con Smythe, the uh, you know the man who built Maple Leaf Gardens and uh, helped create the Toronto Maple Leafs into what they are today. Uh, he was a bit of an autocrat, a bit of a nasty guy, not the most pleasant guy from what I understand, but he also had a heart of gold, and uh, especially where Easter, Easter Seals was uh, uh, concerned. And I think initially it wasn't referred to as Easter Seals. I think it was referred to as the Ontario Crippled Children's Association, I think, or something along those lines, I remember. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah, and then it e- eventually evolved over the years. But, uh, you know, it's... Words uh, that are never used anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yes. But uh, anyway, you know, like I say, the association started then, and although I think it waned a little uh, during the Harold Ballard years, but then a lot of things went by the wayside then. Uh, but it's good to see that uh, MLSC now has really picked up the ball and uh, working along with Easter Seals there uh, to, you know, really enhance the presence of Easter Seals in the community and drive a lot of funds their way. I personally love the fact that Easter Seals, are the Leafs, make the uh, skate uh, yes. mandatory. Yes. Like, yeah. and I don't think, listen, I'm not here to say that the Leafs don't want to do it, but to make it mandatory, that just tells you how important... This is to upper management, and not just upper management in today's uh, day and age. It's been this way for 41-plus years. Yeah, so 41 years. It's important to the Leafs overall as opposed to in recent years. Great to see. Yeah, and as good, Kevin good mentioned, $6.9 million uh, over the last 41 years in order uh, yeah, that they've raised uh, to give to Easter Seals and it's a fantastic organization, and I'm just glad that they're doing uh, sports-related uh, activities so we can get it on here yeah. on the show and talk about it. So it's a wonderful organization. As I said, full disclosure, I work there, and, uh, you know, my uh, parents were um, lucky enough that they never had to um, um, use any funding for Easter Seals because they were um, always under the... Um, I don't know if understanding is the right word. However, uh, they they um, were lucky enough to be able to uh, make enough money um, to not have to use those types of funds. And they felt very strongly that those funds should be uh, used for families that were in need and they weren't. So, um, But uh, for me personally, coming back full circle, um, you know, uh, I do have a challenge in life. And it's just that. It's just a challenge, and challenges can uh, be overcome. And um, being able to work for an organization such as this um, in the department that I work in, it's just unbelievable. I absolutely love working there, and um, they're so good to me and accommodating me. And it's um, they, they do a lot of good work for a lot of uh, people that are kids that uh, uh, need some uh help with your challenges very well said and uh, i for me growing up as a kid look forward to going to camps as mentioned so greatly appreciate these details and all they've done for me personally on that note i want to bring in jeff because we haven't heard too much uh, from jeff jeff let's talk a little nfl your thoughts on the nfl as we sit here yeah it's uh it's been a pretty crazy season and uh i've been enjoying it thoroughly and uh one of those teams that uh, I know you have a question written down here somewhere, probably going to ask me, you know, is there a game that I'm going to be looking out for? And of course there's a game, and that's tomorrow at 425 between the Rams and the Saints, and that's going to be a a great showdown, I think, of uh, offensive powerhouses because New Orleans, they've got uh, one of the goats and Drew Brees. He's right up there as one of the top quarterbacks in the history of the game. 
and is going against that sort of uh, young gun offense on, on, of the Rams, uh, led by Jared Goff and, of course, Todd Gurley. So those two offenses are great. Uh, the Rams went out and uh, acquired a couple of uh, players in the trade deadline, um, and their defensive line is just uh, ridiculously good. And it's going to be fun to watch an undefeated team in the Rams go up against um, the New Orleans Saints, who only have one loss in the year. Uh, this this game's going to be, I think, full of fireworks, and I think it's going to come right down to the wire. I'd love to see this game go to overtime. I love when, te- when games go to overtime, and I think there's been a bunch of OT games already so far this year, and I've absolutely loved it. Um, and I know we talked earlier in uh, the year about how uh, the field goal kickers have been kind of lousy. <laughs> uh, but it adds to the drama when a field goal kicker misses a field goal or, or hits a field goal. So uh, it might just come right down to a three-point conversion uh, in that game. So and it uh, I'm just, looking forward to that. It just shows you that the field goals are not as gimme as they were with the rule change yep. of moving it further back. And look, I think it was the intent of doing that. I think they... They wanted to see a little bit of uh, drama in the uh, field goal kicks. One of the things I wanted to bring up in this segment was not often do you see Mr. Rukavina, um get on social media, but when you do, it's either something really positive or something really negative. Uh, <laughs> he had the opportunity of going down to Buffalo and uh, watching the uh, New England Patriots pretty much due to the Buffalo Bills, as we all expected them to do. Uh, your comment on social media, sir, you want to elaborate and tell us about what it was? Sure. Uh, probably the highlight of Monday night. Uh, well, I mean, you know, not to take away from the game, but anyway, I think, you know, some pretty obvious conclusions can be drawn from that game. But halftime was really significant in the sense that the Bills uh, honored three of their uh, their greats from the Super Bowl years in the early 90s, Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly, and uh, Bruce Smith, and they um, they retired Thurman Thomas's number as well. Now, the MC for this ceremony also was Chris Berman, a, a great personality on ESPN who was the host for many years of a show called NFL Primetime on Sunday nights that I will admit I watched religiously. I never missed that show. And even if I wasn't home on Sunday night at 7.30, I made sure I taped that show. It was a rundown of all the uh, action that Sunday in the NFL. And then he also did on Monday nights at halftime, he would do the fastest three minutes in television, again, a recap of the weekend's action. He was a great announcer. And what I also liked about uh, Chris Berman was he was able to mix in rock and roll references to game highlights. And it was just hilarious. Like one of them, I remember the Raiders uh, used to have a kicker by the name of Jeff Jagger as one example. And there was one night, uh, I think they were playing the Bears or whatever, and Jagger comes on last play of the game, kicks a winning field goal for the Raiders. So anyway, they come off a break, and the first thing Chris Berman says is, folks, Jeff Mick Jagger of the Oakland Raiders has just come to the emotional rescue of his Raider teammates with a last-second field goal to down the Chicago Bears. But the show was just full of references like that, and Berman was very entertaining. Unceremoniously, he was sacked by ESPN uh, prior to this football season, and I thought it was really classless. Basically, I think it was cost-cutting, and I think ESPN also wanted to bring in more athlete celebrities, if you will, but nonetheless, I, I just thought it was kind of the end of an era. Uh, Merman also did baseball and college football on ESPN. And 
one of their greatest all-round announcers, I thought. But anyway, Berman was the MC of the show in Buffalo or the halftime ceremony. Apparently, ESPN barely paid it lip service, did not acknowledge that Chris Berman had been on ESPN for many years. They didn't even show it. Apparently, they just went on to commercials and did their own thing, talked about everything else but the game uh, going on uh, in Buffalo and the events. And that's very important. Chris Berman was also on his show, also really played up the Buffalo Bills, especially during their Super Bowl years. And, you know, I thought it was just totally classless by ESPN. And uh, I, I almost don't feel like watching ESPN programming anymore because of it. But anyway, that led to my rant on Facebook. Jeffrey, thoughts? Chris Berman? Yeah, I think uh, they sort of missed out. I, I'm not really surprised, though. I feel like a lot of uh, networks like this, they they show ceremonies sometimes. I know CBC is usually really good with their Hockey Night in Canada stuff. They'll show the pregame ceremonies uh, that usually take place. But in terms of football, halftime, I think that they have just the mindset of they want to make money, and commercials is the easiest way to go. And meanwhile, most of the audience would probably be like you, Dave, and want to watch and listen to what's going on half them if there's a ceremony. And half the time, there's probably ceremonies that go on that we just have no idea about. And thank God you were there to actually witness this. Otherwise, maybe you would have not even known that this was taking place. I mean, it, it, it trickles down to, uh, I guess, just, just making money for the networks. And I think that's kind of wrong, but... That's the world we live in nowadays. It, it is what it is, unfortunately. And, and, and to me, like I say, that had special significance. Like I say, I watched uh, NFL primetime for many years. But also the fact, too, that I was a Bill season ticket holder for close to 25 years, and, and especially during those four Super Bowl years. Yeah, you can, you know, you can poke fun at the Bills, and you can, you know, use that Bills acronym. Boy, I love losing Super Bowls, you know. But uh, aside from that, one one thing always sticks out in my mind about those years, and it was after the fourth Super Bowl loss, when someone asked, a reporter asked Marv Levy, how do you feel about your team, you know, being the head coach of a team that's lost four straight Super Bowls? And I thought this was just, you know, total Marv Levy at his best. And he said, listen, he says, suppose you had a kid who was with 31 other students who were the toughest, the brightest, the most academically gifted, the most physically gifted students in America, and your kid finished second four straight years in that class. How would you feel about your kid? And the reporter said, well, I'd be very proud of him. Marv quickly shoots back to the reporter. That's how you should feel about this team. And then he walks away. And I thought it was just totally class. You it's know. true though. It is. It's like hundred percent. If my uh, listen, if my future kid comes home and finishes second at whatever they did, I'm gonna be just as happy as if they finished last. You know what? Because they put in the effort, they did. But the fact that they just breeze over it, no, they finished second, and they're the, the Cinderella sisters, and who cares? Like it's bothered me, and I wasn't even really around or or a uh, NFL fan at the time they won the Super Bowl. But it still bothers me how they just gloss over it so yeah. I'm, I'm with you yeah and the place that the bills hold in western new york you have to go to a bills game to really experience it it's one thing to talk about here tailgate parties I've heard. oh yeah and the fan atmosphere yeah. even in the stadium is is second to none it's it's a great place to see a football game and uh, like i say i thought espn really dropped the ball here yeah no totally i agree and i watched the game and didn't even realize any of this had happened so there, there you go, you go. Yeah. Uh, with that, we're going to take a break here on the Neutral Zone. Come back. We're going to lead with a little CFL because there was some 
Big news. We'll talk about it right after the break here on AMI Audio and Voices for Ability. You're listening to The Neutral Zone. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio and Voices of Ability. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Dave and Cam. Well, we've been talking about it for almost 47 minutes, the uh, news of the CFL, and that was that Mark Trestman got released of his duties this morning as a Argonaut head coach. Now, for those of you who are going, wait a minute, hasn't he only been here for two years? Yep, sure has. He won... The Grey Cup last year and was basically a bottom feeder this year. Now, did they end up falling as far as Montreal or did they finish ahead of Montreal? I Actually, Montreal would finish ahead of the Argos. I think they, if Montreal loses to Hamilton tonight, I think both uh, Toronto and Montreal will be 4-14, four and 14, but the Alouettes won two of the three season uh, games. So they'll be ahead. Yeah. So, Cam, I'm going <laughs> to lead with you on this one. Uh, Mark Trestman being fired, your initial thought is what? I was uh, kind of laying in bed doing some prep work uh, for the show, and when I was on Twitter, I was about to tweet out some social media for the show, and that is the first tweet that I saw, and I was shocked. And I even kind of like went to the link, I went to uh, who tweeted it out to make sure that it wasn't like one of these uh, fake accounts, just in case. Fake news. Uh, fake news, yeah. Uh, hashtag CNN, hashtag, you know, Whoa. fake news. <laughs> and it, it wasn't. And he was only there two years, and they were both, uh, Trustman and Pop, supposed to be the um, the Messiah and bring the Argos back to respectability. Uh, they only got hired in February of, what, two years ago? And they ended up bringing a great cup, uh, even though they just kind of puzzled together a team last minute. And so then this year, I thought, okay, well, let's see what happens because they're going to have more time to prepare. They're going to be able to do the free agency period properly because they've been here a whole year. And I don't even know if they made a lot of adjustment or a lot of changes in the offseason to the team. Um, I think Ricky Ray being out is a huge factor because in the CFL, um, my feelings are is that the QB is a huge uh, part of the CFL and a team doing well. And once Ricky Ray was Ray was out after the first week or second week, first week home opener, yeah, uh, after he was out, it kind of you know went sideways the entire year. So uh, I. And I still, I am shocked that uh, he is no longer the coach of uh, the Toronto Argonauts. Jeff, uh, is uh, the GM any safer than... Um, I think Trestman? he might be. I'm not really shocked whatsoever that Mark Trestman is out. I don't really think he's a great coach, to be honest. Um, you saw what he did in Chicago when he was in the NFL. He had great success in Montreal, but you look at what hmm. Montreal had... And they had Anthony Calvillo, one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback in CFL history. And they had uh, a couple of great wide receivers. Their team was pretty stacked. And, uh, yeah, he's a quarterback guru, allegedly. So 
um, the Argonauts, I guess, decided, hey, let's just bring back the, the duo of Jim Pop and, and Mark Tressman. And it just didn't work out. It didn't pan out. Nothing seemed to work. They tried different things. It didn't work. I guess that's partially because maybe the Argonauts don't have the greatest team on the field. Like you mentioned, Ricky Ray went down with that neck injury early, early in the season. So um, that's obviously tough to uh, to swallow. But I think if you're a good coach, you'd find a way to, to shift around that. And like I said, he was allegedly a quarterback guru, and he does have Anthony Calvillo with him as the quarterback coach, and they couldn't figure anything out. Both James Franklin and uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson didn't really perform overly well. I mean, uh, James Franklin, although I think set a CFL record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback, but that's kind of irrelevant because they only have four wins to show for it. So I have no problem getting rid of Mark Tressman. Last year he was 9-9. Nine and nine. Yeah, he won the Grey Cup, but let's face it, it was kind of a fluke. They, they, they should have lost that Grey Cup game. Yes. Calgary um, threw it away, literally. Uh, and so the Argonauts, yeah, they're Grey Cup champions. They were 9-9, nine and nine, not a great record. They come back this year. They're 4-14. Four and 14. They finished dead last in the CFL East and dead last in the CFL in general. I don't think it really matters the outcome of Montreal's game today, like we just mentioned. So I'm not surprised whatsoever he's gone. Now, I know I'm going to ask a question where it's going to be like, well... If ifs and buts were chips and nuts, we'd all be having a party. But I'm going to ask it anyways. If Ricky Ray is not injured, what kind of conversation are we having? What kind of season are we having? Is Ricky Ray really what makes the engine go here, Dave? Or, or are there more flaws than we'd all like to admit? I think there are more flaws than we would like to admit. Uh, I don't think the Argos would have finished 4-14 and had Ricky Ray been healthy all season long. But there were a lot of other issues as well, and you had to wonder, you know, looking back even into the offseason, two integral parts of the Grey Cup team last year, uh, James Wilder Jr. and Victor Butler, and both of them went public with, the, you know, their demands got kind of over the top with their criticisms of Argo management, uh, basically holding out for more money. And anyway, that's all I will say about that situation. But looking back, I think that kind of got the year off on the wrong foot because Butler never returned to the Argos. He was that ticked off at how poorly he was treated and how much he was underpaid. Uh, and James Wilder Jr. eventually resigned, but I don't think he was the same force at any time this year that he was last year. Sure, he's been banged up. Sure, he's been injured, but uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I just... I think the year got off on the wrong foot there and, and eventually just got worse. The other thing, too, I think, with the Argos, um, the, the big issue on, on the field, in addition to Ray and the injuries throughout the, the defense, they brought in, they, they had a big overhaul uh, on their assistant among their assistant coaches this past offseason. Uh, two new coordinators, uh, Marcus Brady, who did a great job as the OC the last couple of years. He's, he left to go to Indianapolis as quarterback's coach there, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Corey Chamblin, the former Saskatchewan Rough Rider head coach, who was the defensive coordinator last year, he retired to spend more time with his family and I believe kind of wanted to take a year off and is headed towards the NCAA for next season. We'll see what happens there. So you brought in two new coordinators that had not had any previous experience at the CFL level. And I think it showed on the field. I think there were a lot of struggles there. And then who knows what goes on behind the scenes as well. Not a total surprise that Trestman um, was fired. 
I was disappointed. Uh, I've had the, you know, um, good fortune, I guess, to meet Mark Tressman. I think he's a class guy through and through. Uh, just unfortunately, things didn't work out. But I think the bigger thing, the bigger story on all this, too, I think is MLSE. I don't think Jim Pop is on uh, on solid ground. That's my own opinion. I could be wrong. Uh, I think he's going. To, I think he's been put on a short leash by MLSE by the ownership. But I think they wanted to be seen right away that they're going to act and they're not going to dither on what happened. You know, this past season, they're going to do something different. They're going to uh, take a different approach. And I think, unfortunately, Mark Trussman was the first casualty. Now. Did you, um... I just want to point out, Dave called this two, three weeks ago. When we were sitting in our post-show meeting, Dave said, I don't know if I would be uh, comfortable if I'm a coach and uh, general manager. So, No, yeah. Good on you, Dave, for calling that, no, Cam. No. no, I was just going to say, Dave, uh, or Brock or uh, Jeff, who do you think uh, might be a candidate to coach the Toronto Argonauts and or... If uh, Pop leaves, like, what's MLSC, in your opinion, planning to do as far as the general manager? Is there, like, are they just wanting a big name to try to get the people here? Or what are your thoughts? I think that big name, um, as, you know, we've all alluded to, I think it was the, the duo that was here. Uh, so, so I don't know. Like, they were so sold as, you know, the really big, they, these the are the Messiah. guys that are going to, the Messiah, exactly. These are the guys that are going to turn around, and they didn't. So I don't. I honestly think they're in their offices going, now what? Like, and truly, it is now what? These guys, as Cam said, were the Messiah, and they did it once, and now they're the bottom feeder. Now what? I'm not sure where they go with this uh, coach and possibly general manager search. The other interesting thing, too, there are some names that are popping up like uh, Orlando Steinhauer uh, in Hamilton. Um, there's another one, uh, Clay Brooks, uh, the defensive coordinator there in, in Calgary. But I don't know. Uh, don't forget, too, the Argo uh, situation is not the only job opening in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Wally Buono was headed into his last couple of weekends as head coach in BC before he heads off into retirement. So there will be a new head coach there. There likely will be a new head coach in Edmonton. All signs are pointing towards Jason Moss being relieved of his duties. Uh, Winnipeg, I know Michael Shea apparently was on a warmer seat when the Bombers were struggling in midseason. The Bombers are arguably the hottest team in the CFL coming into the playoffs, but I think Mr. Mr. O'Shea has a, um, how should I say, got something dangling over his head though as well because of past playoff screw-ups and I think if uh, if they screw up again in the playoffs this year the way they did last year maybe Mr. O'Shea is looking for a new job uh, Montreal could quite possibly could have a new head coach as well so uh, I don't know it's going to be an interesting offseason in the CFL in addition to the CFL playoffs which always are interesting yes it'll be very interesting and uh, we'll see what happens uh, the CFL Playoffs begin in a couple of weeks, and we will certainly talk about that. I'd like to thank Dave Recavina, Cam Jenkins, our technician today, was Jeff Ryman, and of course, thank you to Matt Agnew for that wonderful um, pre-tape that we did uh, to hold Dave to his bet. I'd also like to thank our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. See you next week.
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.